This morning, we are uh, blessed to have Tim Deering with us, who, of course, is a longtime friend of Cornerstone, minister of Cornerstone. Um, he has ministered to our body, uh, to our staff, to our elders, to you, and he will be bringing the word this morning. He's here with his wife, Jen, so we're really glad to have them with us. Today, um, the topic that I'm covering today that I'm going to go after is a topic that, that um, there's no way to cover it comprehensively on a single Sunday. This is kind of like something you'd do a series on, but I really felt like it was the word for today. Justin's going to be following this up with some follow-up things next week. Um, so uh, there's this is one of those ones where it's like there's lots and lots of pages of stuff that you can't do on a Sunday morning. So we're just going to flow and see where the Lord takes us in the time that we have, and then Justin's going to follow up. Uh, next week to help us uh, process a little more with that. So um, I, I, I decided not to craft this thing super tight, but rather just keep pressing into the Lord around the topic and then see where it goes this morning, okay? So uh, I'm going to go until we hit our, our time that's really kind of a, appropriate allotted time, and then we're just going to put the rest on hold till next week. Um, and uh, I also might shed this sweater at some point. It's, it's a little warm. All right. Thank goodness for heat, right? Yeah, praise the Lord for heat. So with that said, I want you to think about a time, think back over the times in your life when you felt most alive, when you felt like really awake and alive, alert to life. And uh, when you think back, just stop there and think for a second. Like, think of a few moments when you look back and you're like, man, I was like firing on all cylinders. My mind was sharp. My spirit was alive. And I was, I was in it. And, and some of you are saying, right now, right now, I'm in it. And that is awesome. And others are saying, uh, no, not so much right now. But I can think of those times and whatever that, whatever that is, doesn't matter. just think about what those times were and think about some of the elements that allowed that to be the case. And almost invariably, one of the elements that is connected to those moments when we feel alive is the element of adventure. It's the, it's, there's, there's unknown and there's anticipation and there's hope and there's like we're looking for the next thing, you know, and there's adventure in that. And in the word adventure is the word advent. Advent means that something appeared. And in, when we celebrate Advent together around Christmas time, it's the appearance of Christ. He appears. He comes awake. Adventure is this word. What it means is what will appear. That's what adventure means. When we celebrate Advent, we celebrate the fact that Jesus appeared. When we look at those who surrounded Jesus in the time of his appearance, they were adventurers. So we look at Jesus and we say, Advent, he came, he appeared. We look at the rest of the story of those surrounding Jesus and we say, adventure, adventure. And so when we look at our lives in those times of being awake, the question is, is there adventure? Are we waiting to see what will appear? And are we alive with anticipation? There's things that give us the momentary rush of that. You know, because there is that, like, as you wait for something, and as you're hungry for something, and as you're looking for something, I don't know, in your relationship with God, you know, in those moments where you're chasing after God, and you're just seeing God all over. There's like this, this devotional that you read, you're like, man, that was the very voice of God speaking to my life. When that pastor on the radio, I heard, or whatever, it's like, 
that God just jumped out of the radio waves and hit me in the heart, you know? And uh, in those moments when I'm in that worship song, I am not just singing a song right now. I Like if I close my eyes, I can see myself in the very throne room of God. My imagination's awake. Everything's alive. I am looking at what will appear. I am on adventure with God. I am looking for the advent of Christ everywhere. And that's, that, that's an amazing thing. Now, um, for all of us, there is some form of desire for things to appear. But the temptation, of course, all the time is to try to create things that will appear, that will satisfy the hunger, right? And so there are much lesser ways for us to try to create experiences that uh, satiate that hunger within us for adventure. Um, and uh, there's things that like give us that momentary rush where it's like, it feels like it, but in the long haul, they don't lead us to those places that feel like those moments when we were alive, we kind of get stuck in those patterns of like very, very simple pleasures that don't lead to life that actually lead to kind of like a dull mundane slavery of a life. You know what I mean? Yesterday was my wife's birthday. She's 22. Yeah. We were, um, we went out to breakfast. We had a slow kind of morning. We have a dog now, which we didn't used to have. So we have this not quite one-year-old puppy. And um, it really changes your plans. You know, it's amazing. We were, we were actually going to, we had a gift card to Shady Maple. We were going to go to Shady Maple. By the time we got out of the door, we realized it's going to take us an hour to get there. And breakfast would not be served anymore. It took us that long to get out of the house, you know? And so we went on an adventure and uh, we decided to figure out something else. We went the other direction and headed east instead of west. And uh, very close to us east, as soon as you go east, you hit Phoenixville and King of Prussia. We're just a few minutes from there. And uh, so we went out to eat and then we went over to King of Prussia because there was one gift that I couldn't get for Jen unless she was with me. And there was a store in King of Prussia that uh, had what uh, she needed or wanted or whatever. So Christmas time, King of Prussia. It's the mouth of the beast. Yeah. Or rush hour. Rush hour or Christmas time, King of Prussia. You know, uh, where all the roads converge um, in the north and the west of Philadelphia. And where the shopping converges for all of known world and universe. The mall in King of Prussia is something um, profoundly and epically ridiculous. Um, And so they decided to add on to it. And there's all these other malls that are popping up all over the place. Um, If you've been anywhere near King of Prussia recently, you might know of like there's a children's hospital center that just popped up there. And right behind it is this Wegman shopping center, town center thing that's um, this absolutely phenomenal, epic mall next to King of Prussia Mall. (laughs) And um, we went in there and it's like an outdoor kind of mall thing and there's a courtyard and all. And... um, what we, I looked down and there's like, you know, all these restaurants and breweries and, uh, you know, cafes and stores and shops and all that. And we recreate a town because all of our towns like Lebanon or like Pottstown, we don't have all that anymore. So we have to create these other towns, 
you know, where that happens. And in the middle of town, there was like a Santa Claus thing going on or something. And there was just people everywhere. The amount of parking in this place is staggering. Just sprawling parking all through all these condos that surround it and everything. And we could not find a parking spot. Like we, honestly, we're just driving around. Like we cannot find a parking spot. And I am like instantly getting anxiety. Like, and I'm feeling stress right away. I mean, like the shoulders are getting tight. There's people honking at me. And I'm like, oh man, you know? And all of that surrounds this thing that we would call consumerism in America. And the amount of attraction, the, the, the power of the attraction to the human spirit to find the right piece of clothing or the right taste of food to give me exactly what I need to feel alive. It's amazing the power right now of consumerism. What's interesting is that, um, you know, I like the rest. If I find um, the right tool at the right price, you know, I find that drill at the right price or find a sweatshirt that just it keeps me the right temperature, fits right, you know, find those soccer shoes that are really going to work for me in my league at the right price or whatever. I love, I love a good deal. I love to find what I want, like everyone else. But it's, I mean, we all know that that stuff, like that momentary rush of that is almost instantly gone. And all it does is increase my desire for more. Um, C.S. Lewis in his uh, Space Trilogy uh, set of readings. There's uh, the Paralandra is the middle book, and in Paralandra, the whole the whole story that he paints is this other world. Of course, as Lewis and Tolkien do in most of their stuff. And but th- these guys go to this other world, and this other world is untainted. It hasn't fallen to sin yet. But it's this guy from Earth that gets taken there. So you have this guy who's broken, who shows up. And what do you do when you're a man who has brokenness in you, and yet you live in a world that's not broken yet? Well, he's in total awe and wonder. And the way they eat is there's these, like, orbs that are they're fruit, and you walk in to one of the orbs, and it, like, explodes around you. And you have this, like, amazing sense of pleasure. And the fruit, it's the fruit, and it like fills up your whole body, and you feel absolutely amazing. And there's this moment, and it's a, a line that I read probably 20 years ago, and I, I think of it all the time. And it was this line where what he said was, and, and I won't quote the line right now, but I will give you the essence of the line. And the, and the essence is he was like, I wanted so desperately, he wanted so desperately to step into another orb. But somehow inside of him, he knew that to experience it again right now would somehow lessen the pleasure of the experience. Consumerism is trying to get lightning to strike again and again and again and again in order to feel alive. Consumerism is a substitute for adventure. Consumerism is trying to feel alive by me being in charge instead of trying to feel alive when God's in charge. Consumerism is trying to be alive by providing for my own needs instead of following for God and letting him create new ways of providing for me in any given situation. Consumerism is when I see how someone else is feeling alive and trying to repeat that in my own life. That's called envy. And 
we can market envious products and we can create envious experiences and we can post online a false picture of an envious life that creates a sense of hunger that causes us all to desire for something that's not actually attainable. And yet we spend our life and our time and our energy and our resources in order to attain it. And it creates stress and it creates obesity and it creates strife in relationships and it creates debt and it creates all sorts of problems in our life that make it all that much more difficult to actually walk in the simple adventure of life with Jesus. And all God's people said, yeah. I hate shopping. I really do. Some people enjoy the process because they're going into it in a place of love and they're with God and they're able to shop without detaching from God. I don't know how to do that. Honestly, man, I don't know how to be present with God and shop at the same time. I don't know how to do it. Some people do, and they're good at it, and so they enjoy just kind of walking around with God and that sort of thing. There are moments where I find the right thing at the right place or right time for the right price, and there's every now and then a moment where I'm actually close enough to the Lord where I can stop and thank him for that. I'm like, thanks, that was a great provision, God. Most of the time I find that, like, I'm doing my thing with God, and then it's like I need this thing, and I go into, like, Tim mode to try to find what I need. And then, like, once I get it, I'm like, oh, yeah, where was God again? You know, and then I have to step back into it. And, uh, and I find that that's a, a really frustrating thing. That happens with human relationships. Have you ever been in some sort of place where you're trying to do the consumeristic thing? You're shopping or doing whatever it is that you're doing, and then you run into someone you know? Have you ever noticed that? And especially if you're in a hurry because of the consumeristic thing, and there's like that weird moment where you see the person, and you're like, in any other environment, we're cool. Right now, I don't know if I have the time to interact with you. Or I don't, you're not, like, you don't fit into this thing. Um, I know that can really happen when we're in the consumeristic mindset. It's funny um, how, of course, that bleeds into the church. Um, in, and we, can, we could talk a lot about that. But it's amazing how there's, when, we, when there's all of the, the consumeristic way things hit the church, relationships get weird when it comes to trying to self-promote church or when it comes to trying to attain something in the spiritual life, people who would just be brothers and sisters walking together, it can create really weird spots. A few years ago, Jen went to, I think this is the only moment that this happened. She went on a Black Friday adventure. Adventure. She went with a friend of ours, um, friend of ours, (laughs) There was a person who lived across the street who we had been, um, who who didn't really have a relationship with the Lord, and um, we had been really growing in our relationship with them. And uh, she and her family had this tradition of going Black Friday shopping. And uh, so Jen and her went to these outlet malls um, not far from us, and it was like you know you show up at midnight and everything opens up that kind of thing. There was no parking. And the spot opened up, and um, they were waiting for the spot. And it was one of those ones where the angle at which the car pulled out made it possible for the other person to slide in before them. This girl was in the middle between Jen and her sister. 
and there was people in the front seat and the window in the front was open. And before Jane could even blink, that girl was out of the front window, chasing that woman down, confronting her. And the woman finally backed out of the parking spot so they could get the parking spot. You know, it's funny when it, what happens internally to us in a consumeristic mindset. Entitlement, greed, control, jealousy, anger become extremely justifiable in our mind. And that's a hyperbolic example of that on Good Friday. That's a big, you know, out here example. But it happens to every single one of us. And this is why is because we're Americans and we're humans. See, to be human, along with being human, there's something that happens in the fallen world with being human. We cannot be human without being full of pride and without being selfish. We can't at this point. Jesus has overcome that. And so there is power for us to overcome selfishness and pride. But we are not fully glorified at this point in our lives. And so every single one of us, just simply by being born and being human, struggle with selfishness and with pride. Likewise, if we are an American, there is a certain form of selfishness and pride that we struggle with. And it is called consumerism. It is also called individualism. These are the cultural iniquities that hit us so heavy in America that we can't even recognize them most of the time. We eat, breathe, sleep, consumerism and individualism. And when we read the Bible, we tend to read it from a consumeristic mindset and an individualistic mindset. We rarely see the communal picture of what's taking place in Scripture. Every time the word says you, we assume that it means me as opposed to (laughs) y'all, right? Because we don't have a word up here that means y'all or yuns or yous or whatever you want to say. We just have in the English language and particularly in the Northeast here this you. And so when we read the Bible and it says for by grace you have been saved. I assume that means me as opposed to the nation of God. And I have a hard time reading the Bible from a corporate mindset, from a, a communal mindset. Even though the average person who was reading that Bible was in a very, very much in a village mentality, those letters were written to people who understood themselves not very easily apart from others. They understood themselves in connection with everyone. And yet, as Americans, we are built on individualism. Consumerism is built on individualism. I have to provide for me and my own, apart from you. And it creates a competitive environment that is a harsh environment by which to try to understand the scriptures and the gospel. Consumeristic church, um, if if you've heard the term of consumerism related to the church, you may think of that in terms of, you know, the seeker church or the mega church that will do anything to provide for every need of every person and every desire of every individual who walks through the door to make them feel great so that they will come back to the church and fill the pews. That is one form of consumerism. But aside from that in the American evangelical church, consumerism is not just a church thing, it's an American thing. And regardless of the style of our church, as Christians in America, we are consumeristic because we are American. 
And let me explain that for a second. Because I don't know if you've done statistics lately or heard the statistics lately. I want to read just a couple of things for you about uh, the statistics around consumerism, uh, global consumerism. Okay, so um, there's a consumer society is recognized as those whose primary identities are in, in what they consume. And I won't get into a whole lot of that, but let me just read a few things here. 12% of the world's population that lives in North America and Western Europe account for 60% of private consumption spending. So 12% of the world accounts for 60% of its individual spending. And all 12% of that, the, 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 the bulk of that is in North America and in Europe. To expand that a little bit further, 18% of the world consumes 80% of the world's resources. If we are Americans, which I assume most of us in this room are, we are a part of that. And we are a part of that not because we go shopping at King of Prussia Mall, because hopefully most of us don't. (laughs) Not because there's anything wrong with that, but because I don't want you to have to go through that. Just by having our lights on and having the heat on, just by driving our car, we consume more energy than the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, America, just the United States of America, consumes over 25% of the world's natural resources, and we make up less than 5% of the world's population. That means, by definition, that we are consumers. This is not a message to bring us to a place of shame, but what it is, is a message to bring us to a place of honesty, self-awareness. That when we live in a world of consumerism, but the Bible is not speaking in terms of consumerism primarily, it's hard to understand the Bible fully when we think of it in terms of what I need, as opposed to what it is that I offer by God. See, Advent is about what will appear. And those who are on adventure are looking for what it is that God is doing and where he's creating and how I'm joining him in that creative work. And yet the the culture of America is in stark contrast to that, which is saying, what are others creating that I need? And that's that's the challenge for those of us who deal with the consumerist world. Now, I want to give you a different picture for a second, lest we get a little bit depressed about that. Um, while we were out, Jen and I were out um, the night before shopping again for our boys or for something. Uh, it was, uh, they, my, my parents had the kids and we were out and we have been praying. You know, what we do um, is we basically what we do with our lives is serve pastors, connect and serve pastors. We do more than that, but that's essentially what we do is work with church leaders. And there's this one pastor of a church in King of Prussia who um, he is just struggling, struggling so much. And the reason is because the consumer culture around his church is just crushing him by him trying to figure out how he can provide for his church when the, when the expectations 
are just wildly unrealistic. And um, they, moved, they moved from out of state, from another part of the country, in order to come pastor there. And they couldn't easily make friends because he was the pastor and therefore the provider and therefore the source of all the things that people need. And it was very difficult to figure out how to do just like a normal relationship. And his wife couldn't figure out how to do a relationship in that. And so we had been praying for a while. Jen hadn't met them, but I had been praying for him. He's in, a, in one of our uh, pastoral cohorts, and I had been praying for him. And uh, so Jen and I are walking. Um, oh, that's what we were doing. We were having, we were having a, a party for um, pastors from the Pottstown area, um, and we were getting some Christmas decorations to decorate our house with for it. And we're walking, we went to the store and we're walking around the store and I look over and there's, so we have been uh, praying for this guy and his wife. Okay. And we were going to set up a time to get together with him. And, um, but we hadn't gotten to it. And I'll tell you why we hadn't gotten to it because we're really, really busy. Um, and I think we're primarily busy because I have this. Um, and it's on my list of like, I don't know, 80 things that uh, um, I have to get to um, was on my list to set up a time to have he and his wife over so we could connect with them. But here we are and we're out and we're chilling. We're, we're, I think we were with the Lord and with each other. We weren't, I mean, I said, I can't be with the Lord and shopping, but like I, I didn't, this time I was like somehow by the grace of God with the Lord. And I see him walk past and I'm like, Hey, and he turns around and he's like, Hey, and I was like, have you met Jen? And he was like, no. And he yells to his wife, who's on the other side of the store. And she comes over. And they meet. We have this, like, chance meeting, you know. And uh, he's like, man, first he says to Jen, I can't even tell you how big of a deal it is to have a relationship with Tim because this is where the pastors get together and we care for each other. And he's like, I'd be, I'd be completely cashed out if it wasn't for the rest of the pastors who were supporting each other and caring for each other. And then, I, but I knew underneath of that, that his wife was the one really struggling and that we hadn't been able to touch there. There was no touch point for her. And so the real reason we wanted to have them over is so that Jen and her could meet. And here we are in the store and we meet. And um, so I'm like, this is happening, you know? And they meet. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're both really heavy. And he's like, we have an elders retreat tomorrow morning. And I am scared to death about it. So we grab hands in the store and we pray. And this store is packed, packed, like so tight. And people are bumping into us while we're praying and everything, you know. And there's Christmas music going in the background. And it's all based around consumerism, you know, the whole thing. And yet there's this moment where there's a parallel universe where there's an advent and an adventure and God's inviting us into the adventure. And as we pray, I hear this mom, I don't know if you heard this or not. There's this mom who is like right next to us, well, the store, like geographically right in the middle of the store, holding hands in a circle and we're praying and God is ministering to all of us in this moment. And I'm like, Christmas, <laughs> like, you know, like it's real. And, what I thought was, is like this whole, the point of this thing is for me to stay connected to everyone. That's the point. And yet it's because of this thing that we couldn't connect with them. 
And yet when I turned that off, and my phone had been buzzing all night when I was hanging out with Jen, but I wasn't looking at it, praise God, by his grace, the one time in my life, you know, and not looking at it, and I'm just trying to be present. And in that moment, God, who keeps us much more connected than this, and whatever's in the airways there, you know, um, with the Holy Spirit has an ability to guide and direct us and lead us into the convergence that we need with real people in real places, in real moments, with real faces and real feelings. Ability to guide and direct us and lead us into the convergence that we need with real people in real places, in real moments, with real faces and real feelings. And real needs to consume the right thing in the right way at the right time. And because of that, we were able to be on an adventure. That night we ran into another pastor who we really needed to connect with and who earlier in the day I was like, man, I really got to get a hold of him but didn't have time and ran into him, you know, and were able to connect with him. It was awesome, you know. It's amazing how when we attend to God's presence, and stay connected to God instead of trying to create life for ourselves, that God has a way of guiding us on this amazing adventure and giving us gifts that are far better than the ones that we could possibly ask for or shop for. It's an amazing thing. He's an amazing God. The part that I think um, I really want to hand over to um, Justin for next week is, um, as I was studying this topic, I was watching the, the stories of the people who surrounded Jesus at the advent and their posture, Zachariah, who had been waiting his whole life for so many things, the wise men who with all their wealth and all their knowledge dug in to seeing deeper. Zechariah had gotten so calloused in his life. He was still there with his wife, and yet when God showed up, he had a hard time receiving the advent, didn't he? He had a hard time believing that his wife Elizabeth could actually have a child. He had a hard time, even though he was seeing God, he couldn't actually receive it because he was so worn down. The shepherds, those who were not able to consume probably a whole lot, the unseen people under the cover, deep in the night shift out there under the stars. What's amazing about them is when they hear from the angels, you know what it says after they heard from the angels and the angels departed? It says immediately they said to one another, let's go and see this thing that has happened. They hadn't seen it, but they knew with confidence it happened. The strength of being a follower of Christ to know that God is alive and present and that we are attending to him, that we are moving in every direction of our life to try to acquire God instead of acquire goods or experiences, but rather acquire God. The one thing we are actually called to consume. Eat this flesh drink this blood, or you have no part with me. Consume it. Why spend your money on what does not satisfy? Come to me, and you will delight on the richest affairs. 
This is the adventure. This is the adventure. My favorite people, my favorite people in the in the story. Um, nothing against Mary. She's the best, of course. She really is. I mean, she ponders everything. You know, the, they assume the whole book of Luke, the most detailed narrative, they assume that Luke gets all of his detail from Mary because she pondered all these things in her heart. And she just watched, tended to every detail. Joseph, all the pressures and anxieties that would have been on that guy's life. And yet he still sleeps and rests. And when he does, the angels show up. But my favorite ones in the story are Anna and Simeon. Always, man, these guys rock my world. They rock my world. Band, you can come up. We're about to switch into responding and singing. Here's the story of Anna and Simeon. (laughs) You ever had that moment when the kids, like, this is Christmas morning. The heater hasn't kicked on yet. And the sun has no idea it's Christmas yet because it's not even close to coming up. And the coffee maker isn't on yet. None of that's going on. And yet, the door to mom and dad's room busts open and they're fully dressed with all the excitement, jittering excitement comes grandma and grandpa. That's what happened with Anna and Simeon. Everyone else in the story is shocked by what happens except for Anna and Simeon who are like, we have been waiting. Finally, I can go to rest. Finally, I can sleep because I've been awake all my life in the temple, attending to God, waiting for him to show up in the flesh. And when he does, they lift up Simeon lifts up Jesus in his arms and he says, thank you, God, I can finally rest. Everyone else is like, do you know what this means? God's here. And what Simeon says is, I can finally rest. Everyone else says, we can finally wake up. And he says, I can finally rest. Anna has been laboring day in and day night ever since she lost her husband. Apparently that marriage (laughs) needed to, she lost her husband and then she started attending to God all the time. Or maybe she had such a good husband, the only one who could fill his shoes was God. I don't know. But after she lost her husband, she's in the temple day and night, it says, worshiping and attending to God. Day and night. And it says that for both her and Simeon, that when Jesus was brought to the temple, they were full of the Holy Spirit. And Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit, grabs him and does this. And it says, and Anna walks in just as Jesus is brought in. And it doesn't say God told her to. It's just she's in step with God. And where God is, she is. And there's an adventure And she's always seems to be at the right place at the right time to experience what God has. And that's because her whole life is about attending to God. And something inside of her spirit is like our little dog Casey when she's got her nose sniffing on the ground all over the place trying to find that thing that had been out there last night. That's the way Anna is with God. Sure enough, she finds him every time. Jesus is there. Bam, she's there. So our consumerism wants to fix our circumstances. 
but our worship and our attendance to God wants to find God in the midst of our circumstances. And whatever our circumstances are, they may be difficult, they may be easy. If they're easy, then we have to take notes from the wise men and we have to dig in deeper. If they're difficult, then we have to take notes from the rest of the people in the Christmas story. And we have to lean into the Lord. And we have to lean in. The song that I asked Kelly to uh, do last minute, um, last night, <laughs> she worked on this. Thanks for that, Kelly. Um, says that he who holds the stars and calls them each by name will surely keep his promise to me. Will surely keep his promise to me. For a wise man looking up at the stars, for shepherds who are leaning back, looking at the stars, for Mary and Joseph who can't find a place to stay. The stories converge. It's like one of those stories, one of those movies where there's everybody has a different plot and somewhere in the movie you figure out that all their storylines converge. Have you ever seen one of those movies? It's like that. And they're all under the same stars. And the toughest thing is to not want my star to be aligned my way at the right time but instead to realize that I'm part of a universe of God's kingdom and that where he has me placed, it takes time. But when it comes into alignment, man, I will see things that I could not have possibly imagined. And the cheap thrills of consumerism will never satisfy my soul like coming into alignment with the God of the universe. And that takes attendance to God, watching the deeper reality of the kingdom of God. Amen. What I want us to do as we reflect in this time of worship right now is just to ask the Lord, where do I need to say no to whatever nagging thing is? Where do I need to wait and stop trying to make something happen? Where do I need to trust the Lord and see myself aligned with him? And just allow ourselves to reflect and say, whatever my anxieties are, whatever my desires are, whatever those things are, I want to release those into the hand of God. And my joy tonight, today, and into tonight, and into this Advent season will not be found in things that I'm trying to acquire or experience. But my joy will be found in the fact that God is here. He's alive, and he's well, and I can attend to his presence. And he is here with me, and he is here with you. And I need nothing else. Rejoice not that the demons go out before you, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life.